As an artist of faith, my creativity and spirituality are integral to my identity. But I'm caught between two worlds. Luckily, I found Be, Make, Do, and I'm ready to be who I was created to be. Be, Make, Do, the podcast. Listen at soulmakers.org slash be, make, do. This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Returning to Eden, a field guide for the spiritual journey. Returning to Eden is a book by Heather Hamilton for people who resonate with aspects of Christianity but struggle with the coherence of its claims. After having a mystical experience that shattered her evangelical beliefs, Heather Hamilton found herself on the journey that every true spiritual seeker ultimately takes. The highest truths that set us free are hidden in places that most people are not looking. Returning to Eden re-examines the Bible stories of childhood and opens them up as symbolic maps into the inner world. Stories like Jonah and the Whale, the parting of the Red Sea, Noah's Ark, and the Virgin Birth are illuminated with penetrating depth and intellectual integrity. Faith is no longer a white-knuckled grip on implausible beliefs, but a relaxation into a deep inner knowing. You can purchase Returning to Eden by Heather Hamilton at Amazon.com or at ReturningToEden.com. Hey friends, how we doing? All right, here we are, part two of IHOP. What is going on now? I brought on Susan and Nancy, two people who have been pretty close to IHOP at some point in their life. Susan was with them as a worship person working with, working with Misty Edwards, and Nancy was working in some capacity with IHOP up until like this year. So I wanted to bring them on to kind of help us unpack what's happening now. What is the story? What are some of the layers? Who are some of the players? Um, in this situation, how is IHOP responding to this? And it turns out, of course, like most things, the rabbit hole is deeper than you think. They talk about one or two stories about IHOP that are unrelated to this one that do not give me a lot of hope for IHOP taking this issue seriously. I'll let them tell the stories in the episode, but I mean, wow, it was, there were some doozies here, which reminds me, trigger warning in this episode, there's talk about suicide and sexual assault all throughout. This is definitely a heavier episode, but it's really important to know kind of the history that IHOP has when it comes to things like this and their track record of covering things up or just completely ignoring them. So Yeah, this is definitely a doozy of an episode. I want to thank both Nancy and Susan for coming on and sharing their stories and their perspectives. It just means a lot. And friends, I don't plan at this point on doing a part three. I really wanted to do two things. Tell the story uh, or the stories of other people who have experienced IHOP, what IHOP is, the theology, etc., which we did in episode one. And then I wanted to talk about what's happening now, which is episode two. If you want more content in podcast form that that keeps up to date with the story as it unfolds. Check out the Heaven Bent podcast. She's been following following IHOP for a bit. She has a whole season on on IHOP, and then this situation came to light while she was recording this season on IHOP. So she has her ear a little bit closer to the ground, and I recommend following that for the podcast. Of course, we will share things as we need to in our Instagram stories and on our broadcast channel on Instagram, so make sure to follow us on there. We're always sharing things like that to keep you all up to date. And friends, I want to say, as always, thank you so much for supporting the work that we do. Um, if you want to help us out, sharing this episode would be great. Liking, rating, subscribing, reviewing the podcast really helps us get found more in the algorithm. Can I just tell you something? In October, this podcast had over 100,000 downloads. That blows my mind. 
I have met people who I would never expect that listen to this podcast. Maybe I know you personally and you don't tell me that you listen to this podcast. Thank you. That is so kind. Maybe you're someone who follows our work all the time and loves the podcast. Thank you. But it truly blows me away. I, I can't believe that our podcast has been as successful as it has been. You've been enjoying the episodes. Your feedback has been so positive. So thank you. And we plan on continuing to develop and grow the podcast as we grow our content strategy. Um, we do all of this work completely paywall free. We make it available to everyone with no paywall because we are a 501c3 nonprofit and people like you and your generosity makes this work possible. If you want to support that work, you can donate at the link in our show notes. Hey, it's getting close to end of year. Now's the time to get that sweet tax deduction by donating to a 501c3 like ours. <laughs> that would be so helpful. Of course, all of our money is financially transparent on our website and all the, the, the donations go directly to TNE and making this work possible. We are close to unveiling Project Amplify. I told you a little bit about this in a previous little update. I'm so pumped to give you a longer episode really unpacking the why, the problem that we're seeing, how we're trying to fill that gap and what it actually means to amplify the voices of credible voice of credible people to better engage the civic Christian uh, conversation. So there's a lot coming. I am nervous. I'm excited, but really I feel like this work is just getting started. We're going to need your help to make it happen. We'll unveil more soon. Thank you so much for being here. It just means the world. So with that being said, friends, here's my interview with Susan and Nancy. Hope you enjoy it. Talk to you all soon. As an artist of faith, my creativity and spirituality are integral to my identity. But I'm caught between two worlds. Luckily, I found Be, Make, Do, and I'm ready to be who I was created to be. Be, Make, Do, the podcast. Listen at soulmakers.org slash be, make, do. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAIC preparation and testing, along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWHVACTRAININGSC.COM to inquire. All right. Um, Susan Tuma, Nancy Hester, thank you for joining me uh, really on short notice, um, at least for you, Susan. I know that, 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 that you were a last minute addition in this conversation, but thank you both for making time. It means a lot. Yeah, super happy to be welcome. here. Yes. Awesome. You know, let's start here. Um, this is one of the rare podcasts where I'm not sure if we, if any of us know each other. So I, let's do some introductions. You guys already know who I am, most likely. You know, I started the New Evangelicals on the podcast host. That's the easy stuff. But Susan, let's start with you. Give us some background, just a brief summary, who you are, your involvement with IHOP and what you do now. Yeah. So um, I was just introduced to IHOP through a family member and I went there for a worship internship. Um, I played music, songwriter. Um, I do music now with uh, a band, Good Lemons. Um, and so I was really interested in that aspect of it. I was taking a break from college, did the one thing internship in 2004, um, you know, was really drawn to that whole, you know, set aside the season, you know, for six months. <laughs> I get it. When else will you get that chance kind of thing? Um, totally. Yeah. And then after that, I led worship and, and, um, led a summer teen internship and was on staff for another couple of years. So I was on Missy Edwards team. That's probably a familiar name for a lot a of people, legend. that kind of thing. Yeah. So she was, she uh, very briefly mentored me before I left 
and uh, was a friend. And then a couple, um, you know, Dave Slyker was my internship leader um, uh, at that time. So some of the names that everybody hears now are <laughs> okay. the people who taught me. What what year did you leave? You were there in 2004. How long were you there for? Uh, I left in 2007, okay. like midway through. So I guess what, three and a half years. Um, and then, but I lived in Kansas City for a really long time um, after that point. Um, so for a while, I maintained relationships, had a lot of good friends there, and then kind of distanced further and further as I kind of deconstructed. Mm, makes sense. You know, I will say uh, I'm a professional drummer. I still play. And um, back in the day, man, my soul longs for you. That song was just, <laughs> it, it was fun to play on drums. It was a little more, it was a little yeah. edgier for the time. So that, in fact, really that whole album for me, like even now I'm like, you know, there's some tunes on there that I really probably would throw on and be like, oh, what a banger this one was, you know? So oh, I mean, Misty's <laughs> music kind of hit. Like, I'm not going to lie. She's I, good. I agree. I agree. No, she was great. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, Nancy, let's go over to you yeah same kind of you know questions brief summary of who you are um how you got involved with ihop how long you were there and what you do now okay um we arrived at ihop on christmas day 2010 and we were coming off the mission field and our oldest son was um on staff at ihop he had was in college and then you know uh, decided to do the Let's lay it all down, go to IHOP. And the rest of our family was on the mission field. So we were like, okay, you know, you can do this for a year, but you got to go to college. And, um, and he did graduate from college eventually, but he stayed with IHOP really long until recently. So, um, we arrived here and, um, we were only going to be taking like a two month sabbatical from the mission field. And then we just kind of are still here. There you go. So from 2010 to 2023, that's a long two month sabbatical, isn't it? So, wow. And yeah. are, are you, so, were, I mean, are you, were you still involved with IHOP? Like, are you still part of the system right now? Um, well, we did an intern, we did the internships and then we were asked to help. Um, with the team that started Immerse, which is kind of like a short internship thing. So we did that and then for a year. And then my husband was asked to come on board and be um, the like an assistant to the CEO, Daniel Lim. So then from that, he ended up working with the, being over the international ministries. And then from that, um, we ended up being district pastors over the internationals and then district pastors over the prayer room. So we had that job until, um, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, until we just kind of got erased cause we were asking way too many questions, um, around 2019. So we stayed and we were allowed to prayer lead because we really did love the teams and the, mm. the musicians and all that, that we worked with. So we were allowed to continue to prayer lead, even though we were not on full-time staff. So, um, kind of coincidentally, um, you know, as soon as the podcast with Gracia came out with heaven bent, um, you know, there, there were little rumblings noting we weren't on full time staff. So we probably were not going to be able to prayer lead anymore. But at that point we had heard the information about Mike. So we, our board was like, you have to disassociate now. So 
So we are no longer on staff as of about a month ago. So, I mean, this is really fresh for you, Nancy, big time. Uh, I mean, like we've kind of had, I mean, since 2019, people, I mean, we haven't been active. We haven't, I mean, you know, we were kind of fired from being pastors at the church, Mm. but not really fired. I mean, it was one of those, hey, we Mm. don't know where we're going to put you. We'll get back in touch with you. And, you know, four years later, nobody's ever called us. So, you know, it's, I mean, so we have, we have been distanced, but yet still around the people that are actually doing it that are solid, precious people. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you're, of course, everyone's story is, is unique to them, but there are a lot of ingredients there that I've heard from a lot of people um, right. in different shapes and forms. You know, I, my, even my own story at one point, my own church said, hey, you know, you can either keep serving with us as a volunteer drummer or you can stop the right. work you're doing online. And if you resign from the drummer spot, you can still attend and tithe and, you know, maybe be on like the parking lot team, but you just can't serve here, right? And it's kind of the beginning right. of like, well, if I can't do what I love to do or what, what I've been known to be doing for so long, it's kind of a nice way of like kind of forcing me out, even though right. you're giving me technically right. an option. So yeah, well, thank you for sharing that, Nancy. Um, I appreciate that. I, I know, listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm, 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 I'm sure both of you have heard my conversation with Gracia and Brantley and mm-hmm. Tamise and even though I, I think a lot of the audience might have some vague familiarity, at least with the name, you know, IHOP or IHOP KC and some of the worship leaders like Misty, it does seem like there's a lot that you don't understand unless you're really on the inside that, that, that puts these pieces together. I do want to ask a question I asked on the last episode, just to hear from both of you. How do you actually describe IHOP? Uh, Tamise was like, it's like a missions organization. There's a church, but it's not really their church, but it's like where the staff kind of goes. So I don't know, maybe Susan, we can start with you. Like, like how did you understand IHOP when you were serving there? And how do you understand the organization today? Um, okay. So when I was there, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's very immersive. I mean, you're in, um, it, it feels like a bubble. Um, you don't really end up contacting the outside world very much because all of your time and energy is going towards building. And, and I was somewhat aware of that. Um, I think I felt like I was part of something larger than myself. I was, I was there as a little bit of a skeptic in terms of certain aspects of it had some red flags for me. I came from a church that was really, um, like, I guess, emotional safety conscious, uh, I'll put it that way. And so really good with like boundaries and that kind of stuff. And so I had some areas where I would, I was kind of pausing, especially with the the way they used the, uh, prophecy and, and that kind of thing, um, felt really manipulative sometimes. Sure. Um, but you know, you feel like you're part of this, uh, really exciting, uh, I would say like, you know, cutting edge, uh, radical thing. Like you're there, you're 24 seven. We're not going to let the fire on the altar go out. We're, we're, you know, passionate worshipers and Jesus deserves, um, to be worshiped that much with that level of adoration. So there's always this like pushing to be more radical, more intense, you're going to fast the most, you're going to worship the hardest, you're going to sing the longest, you're going to waste away, you're going to waste your life. That's, you know, Misty's song, I'll Waste My Life, which is kind of different now. Yeah. Um, You know, and now I look at it and I go, wow, I was 19. I had no outside voices. Um, You're on this, you're in this like strip mall. It's literally a strip mall. And 
uh, if you're young, you don't have a car. Um, and there's no public transport, which I wasn't used to coming from the Chicago area. We have, we have public transport at anywhere, anytime. Yeah. I like, you don't need a car in Chicago if you don't want one. It'd be a little cold in the winter, but you know, but so <laughs> yeah, maybe you're fine. You're from Chicago. Right. Uh, but so, you know, like I was really shocked by that. And so there's like nowhere to go and you're living, if you're an intern, you're living like on base, which is like you're living in an apartment complex that's next to a strip mall. It's <laughs> like, it's, you know, and then, you know, um, and, and people don't have much income. And so a lot of people are, there's like a food bank on base and people are usually going to that food bank. Um, so it's not really serving the community. It's serving the IHOPers that are there. Hmm. Um, you know, and so, I mean, we would joke all the time about the IHOP bubble and it was, it felt weird to leave it. Yeah. And now I realize how like deeply unhealthy that was. And it creeps in though. It's not like you like walk in, it's just, you do an internship, you're fully immersed and you're doing like, you're probably busy, like 60 to 80 hours a week. Mm. I mean, uh, cause they give you homework when you're not there. And so you are in it. And you have no outside contact and you're being actively policed by the people there. Mm. Uh, you know, they're like, I remember roommates just being like, you know, what are you doing? Listen, you know, I, one told me I was listening to Lauren Hill Unplugged, uh, like the MP, MTV Unplugged album. And she literally sings something about like a merciful God and the conquering lion and all this stuff. And um, they're like, I can feel the demons <laughs> coming out of the CD player every time you play that. And I was like, oh, my heavens. I mean. So wow. it's it's a really because everyone is in that environment it's like immersively like like no one is out contacting the outside world that much yeah. which sounds really odd to say well, my only reference that is in the vein of that uh maybe not as as um extreme is the assemblies of god master commissions uh, those like discipleship schools, yeah. kind of similar vibes. I actually almost went to one. A couple of my, of my friends did. And it had the same kind of vibe where, you know, you're giving one to three years of your life as a student mm -hmm. to pursue God. And you live off of like a, maybe 60 bucks a month and you, you're going to travel for missions work and you're going to worship all the time. And it's a lot of the same ingredients, right? I'm not sure if it was as insulated as what you're describing, but that's kind of my my closest framework I have to this. Nancy, you know, you were someone who was there for a long time and, and yeah. it seemed like you really rose the ranks. You know, I mean, you mentioned, I think you were the pastoral director of a, of a, I don't know. I, I, can you explain exactly where you were at in the, in the ladder one more time? We, well, I mean, my husband was probably more in the ladder just because he had different titles and different jobs and stuff. But the two of us together were pastors over the internationals and over the prayer room. So, so yeah. And since we were older, I mean, you know, we were older, we had teenage kids. Um, yeah, it was just kind of funny because we didn't live in the bubble. You know, we, we, we've just always raised our kids on the mission field, doing different things. So we were always big on, we have to get outside the bubble to be around other people. Cause we can't deal with cookie cutter, you know, everybody looking the same, which right. was really good for us to be with the international department. But, you know, I can remember when we first moved here, um, you know, the, my kids wanted to go to some ice cream place. Now I forgot the name of it. That was down at Westport. You know, so we all piled in the car, you know, drove yeah. down to Westport 
and literally got back and we, you know, I said, someone said, what'd you do? And I said, oh, you know, we went down to, to Westport to take the kids to get ice cream. And the look on their face, they were like, huh. oh, you can't go to Westport. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they said, right. people get shot down there. And I said, people get Ooh. shot everywhere. I mean, I was just like, I, what? no, I lived you in can Westport, go anywhere yeah. you want. You can go wow. anywhere you want to go. Right. No, both, right. Yeah. I have two boys that they work down there now. I'm like, nobody's getting shot. We're okay. No. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I lived yeah. there. Yeah. But Nancy, when, when you say that you were director over the the internationals and over the prayer room, I, I'm trying to give people in myself. Yeah. Right, but like well, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to understand the actual structure of IHOP. Like I heard about a Forerunner Church, which yes. is maybe part of IHOP or run by people from IHOP. But IHOP is the International House of Prayer, and they have, uh, is it one prayer room? Do they have dozens of prayer rooms? I've heard this term: the fire should never go out in the altar. Is that like them praying twenty four seven? Help me understand that, like the actual structure of the entity that you were a part of. Okay, are you asking me? So, yes, so the yes. prayer room did, it did go 24 seven when they have church services on, um, Friday night and, um, well, Sunday morning it's open, but on Friday night when it's closed, they still have teams in there. I've forgotten who it was. Was it Brantley that was saying that, you know, he was getting to do the, um, the Friday night service when church was going on, he was all excited because he actually yeah. got to lead sets on there. So, um, yeah, so that's just like a keep the fire burning set where no one's allowed in the prayer room. Um, well, I mean, some people are allowed in there. And to me, it's like, it's horrible because during COVID and then I'm like, this is my most favorite time in this room. Nobody's in nobody's mm-hmm. in here but the worship team. But um, so, yeah, but then there were also, um, there, there were youth sets that were going, um, but those were, you know, just a few hours a week. And then there was, the ANPR, which was the All Nations Prayer Room, which was going in different languages. So, you know, it was going in Chinese, it was going in French, it was going in German, it was mm-hmm. it was going in Arabic in some cases and, you know, different languages. <clears throat> Sorry. And um, you know, those sets were amazing because you had all of the different um, languages that were represented, all of the different groups of people that were here, and they were actually praying in Chinese. They were actually, you know, praying in Korean. And yeah, it was, we loved it. I mean, you know, it, it was amazing. And yeah, we loved yeah. being here. We loved being a part of something that was bigger than, than just us. But, you know, then there was the flip of, um, you know, there's just dysfunctions. There's incredible dysfunctions. Yeah, when when you say dysfunctions, you know, Gracia shared some of her story and and what her journey was like. Uh, when you say dysfunctions for you being someone in like, in, the, in like that more pastoral role, which right. I'm going to make an assumption here. I know a lot of people who were technically on staff had to raise their own support. Were you raising your own support, or were you just paid by IHOP as pastors? No, no, no. We actually have our own. Um, we already had our own ministry when we came. If that makes sense, Got so it. we had already been raising funds for missionaries that we have on the ground and ourselves. So yeah, so no, we never, well, I mean, I take it back. I never got paid right. for any Fair. of the jobs that I did. Yeah. So yeah, okay. didn't get a stipend, didn't do anything. It was all volunteer. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. So, so the dysfunction for you, when you say dysfunction, what do you mean? And when did you start noticing that dysfunction? Um, gosh, when did I start noticing it? I don't 
even know. I think it was probably um, um, there were there were times when, um, you know, I mean, you're working with kids, you know, you're working with young adults. So there's times when young adults would um, maybe just have sin issues. Right. I mean, you know, you know, a girl would come and say, hey, you know, I'm dating this guy. We're actually having sex. What do we want to do? And my response would be, well. You know, that's probably not a good thing. So maybe you shouldn't be up on the stage singing. Maybe you should be getting discipled. You know, maybe somebody should be helping you through some of this stuff. But that was not the thought at all. It was like, no, get on the stage, play more, stay in the room more, you know, get in the word more, which I agreed with the get in the word more, but were people actually doing that? So, um, <clears throat> so anyway, it just... I don't know that. So our thing was maybe get off the stage and get some help. Whereas the leadership stance was these kids aren't leaders. They're on the stage. Don't take them off the teams. They need to be on the teams. They need to keep, you know, pushing through. And I don't know. We were just like, it seems like people are not necessarily getting discipled and helped in issues where they needed help. But I mean, so so we just started butting heads on things. So. Kind of like to kind of speak to what she's saying. So when I was uh, there, I was um, I had led a summer teen internship, and yeah, the they actually named it uh, STI, and I had to tell them, "Hey, that's not a great name." Right. Um, and then, not joking, they renamed it S Summer Teen Discipleship. Oh no, it's even worse. No, they really did that. That's a real thing they did. Um, and I confirmed <laughs> we found name tags. Um, now it's called ATC, I think, which is, I don't know, awakening teen camp or something like that. They finally like sorted it that like, like someone took a health class. Um, but so I was, I I had just finished that and it was a complete disaster. I'm, I'm 19. They don't have enough, uh, leaders signed up. So I'm 19 with literally 19 girls put in, in under my care in a random apartment on, um, Hearn hut, which is like this apartment complex. So you've got like a strip mall, right. Then that's where the main prayer room is. They, I think they call it the GPR now, maybe yeah. the, the mm-hmm. global prayer room or general, I don't know. And then, um, and then next to you, you've got like the bookstore, the coffee shop, and then you've got like the food bank and then you've got like Gladheart Realty, which is, I think, run by Dan Bickle and mm-hmm. then and, and Luke Bickle um, all in this strip mall, which whatever. And then you've got literally you just hop, skip and a jump, like walk across down a little the parking path, lot and you've got. Yeah. Yeah. Across the parking lot. And you walk down this little path and then you've got all these apartments and, and I have owns that building save one which I believe is eternally rented to some, to a tenant who literally refused to move when they bought it, uh, which I love oh, wow. uh, more than anything. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> they're just like, they're just like, no, I live here and I'm not moving. Um, so anyway, point is I'm, I'm there. That's, I've just finished the summer teen internship, extremely dysfunctional. We've got, um, you know, kids uh, at one point, because I couldn't watch them all, all the time. So I'm in the kitchen. There's a kid who burns her cornea off because she decides to have a bleach fight in the bathroom doing the chores that I had been assigned to give them. And so while this is happening, I go to later wow. Lenny Lagardia, whose name you should recognize. And I say, hey, we got to take this kid to urgent care. And 
he says, will you take her? I said, well, I don't have an assistant. I have 19 girls. I can't take her. Right. So he's like, okay, well, we'll farm them out to the other leader in the apartment next to yours. And they can all go sit in the prayer room with her kids for several hours. Um, so now I, you know, I'm not watching them. I have no idea who's watching them. Um, at that point, cause now this girl has 28 kids. Mm, he wow. doesn't take this girl. And then he asks my boyfriend who I, who I've actually ended up marrying at that time, like, Hey, could you maybe drive them? Could you just take this girl who's melted her cornea? Uh, like it's like a chemical melting of her cornea. Oh and God. he's like, no, I'm not driving alone with a 16 year old. You don't even know me. He's right. like, you literally don't know me. And he's like, so he ends up agreeing to drive me. We go there. There's no, uh, they don't have any medical information on file. They can't get a hold of the dad. The dad doesn't believe in credit cards. So they asked my husband to front the money, the boyfriend then. And he's like, you're not going to pay me back. I know you're not. I don't trust you. And they don't actually come with us. So no actual leader. I'm 19. My boyfriend is 20. Wow. I'm there with the 16-year-old. And the nurse there is going, what is happening? This is incredibly <laughs> irresponsible. Right, right. Where, and she's literally asking us, where are the adults? And I'm like, I'm the camp counselor. And she's like, right. Who's managing right. this? Right, right. Like I'm, ha- so I'm being asked to make medical decisions for some random sixteen-year-old at a clinic on the other side of town, and I can never get a hold of Lenny Lagardia, you know, to figure out what I should do. So we end up paying for it. We ate the cost, and it was like you know ninety bucks or whatever, which is a lot, and, right? I mean, for yeah, you, I mean, you're making yeah. like nothing a month. I mean, well, yeah, I wasn't even paid for that internship. Um, for to lead that, I, I it was food and shelter so when that is done i had been supposed to go and and at this point you're kind of like going through the motions you feel like you're part of something bigger so then yeah. i get asked to lead be a comm leader in uh the one thing internship and when i get there suddenly no long dave Slyker's no longer the leader of it we have no idea why he's just randomly been replaced by his wife and this this is the kind of turmoil that's like literally constant. Right. right. So she walks up to me and says, the morning of, actually, I think I'm not going to have you do it. God told me to choose the harlot. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I'm like, the harlot? Is- she uses that oh, language? That's her exact words. Last night I was praying, God told me to choose the harlot. And I'm like, first of all, who are you calling a harlot? Right, like, like, are you saying the girl who's replacing me is a harlot? And she's like, yes, I've chosen. Because um, she said, I've chosen to replace you with so-and-so. I'm not going to say his name, but right. it was someone I knew. And and I was like, why? Like, what did I do? And she's like, oh, nothing. You're great. I was just praying last night and God told me to choose the harlot. And I was just like, oh, my God. And this was a girl who during her internship oh. had had some sort of like, you know, I don't know, sexual relationship with another intern. And, and so that whole thing of um, not discipling and then just putting people on staff though, you know, if, if they have this moral code, like if you had, if this was happening in another environment, you know, like a work environment, like HR, right. like whatever, it's right. like, we would have some sort of, Hey, we're going to go through this process. We're going to explain to you boundaries. Da, da, yes. da, da, da. That's we're not, not going to call you a harlot. <laughs> no, we we're going to instead 
we call you a harlot and then we put you in charge of people from this place of shame. And so there was this weird thing that you would see happen where you would hear some horrible story about somebody and then like three months later, they would be in a much higher position of leadership. And it was yeah. odd. And so Mike has this thing that he says a lot of the time. He says, uh, he has been forgiven much, loves much, hmm. right? And what's really interesting is to see that kind of be used as from my view, this kind of tool of loyalty and control, because I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine who um, he had stayed on staff for a really long time. And he was like, yeah, but it's just weird because, you know, Mike did so much for me. Mm. And, you know, I've heard that from a lot of people. Like he helped me when I was in a really bad place when nobody else believed in me. He did. But usually the context they were talking about to me was this context of, I screwed up and I hurt people. And it isn't that I don't believe in redemption. And it isn't that I don't believe in people, you know, being given a chance and being believed in. I deeply believe in that. But the believing in them was not time spent pastoring, time spent mentoring. It's literally giving them a position. Got it. Got it. So that's kind of the the weird pattern yeah. that you see that's just so dysfunctional. And then you have those people in positions of authority and in positions of power who have a lot to hide themselves yeah. or have a lot they're ashamed of, I should right. say, Right. than reacting to other people who, okay, you're accused of sexual assault. Well, I've been accused of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like, right, right. That's right. what they're having happen. Mm. I, I, in my view, knowing the people I know um, right. and the stories I know, you know, there's, there's people in there who have no business being the person who's going to become to for these things. Yeah. As an artist of faith, my creativity and spirituality are integral to my identity. But I'm caught between two worlds. Luckily, I found Be Make Do, and I'm ready to be who I was created to be. Be Make Do, the podcast. Listen at soulmakers.org slash be make do. That is really helpful. I appreciate you kind of expanding on that and kind of making it a little more clear, I think, to the audience and to myself. Let's kind of fast forward to what's going on here and now, right? So, I mean, the, the you know, audience, if you're out there, you're not sure what's going on, first, listen to part one of this episode. Uh, it came out, you know, about a week or two ago. So listen to that first. But on October 28th, it looks like three former leaders and people who were tied into IHOP, they released a statement. And essentially, the, the smoking gun part is it says, without going into details to protect the privacy of the victim's identities, we have found the allegations of clergy sexual abuse by Mike Bickle to be credible and longstanding. The credibility of these allegations is not based on any one experience or any one victim, but on the collective and corroborating testimony of the experiences of several victims. So this is a pretty big bomb drop that happens. This statement comes out from three former IHOP high-level, you know, either executive directors or pastors. Um, and um, for a lot of people that I've spoken to, both people I would say that are still in like the more charismatic New Apostolic Reformation world uh, and people who were former students who had a bad experience, they're all kind of shocked. Like literally Brantley and Tamise and Gracia are like, 
Yeah, um, I was I was honestly shocked to hear this. And then I have friends who are really still in that world who are like, this is I cannot believe that 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 this came out. Mike has always been someone in our community who was you know upstanding. I'm curious for you, maybe Nancy will go to you first. Were, were you surprised by by reading that statement? Like, were you like, holy moly? Or for you, were you like, well, that actually makes sense. I've seen some writing on the walls. Like, how did you react to reading that statement for the first time? Um, I think pretty much, um, our reaction was when we first got to IHOP, we had just, um, we had, I mean, obviously accent we're from the South. So we just had, um, you know, like Southern Baptist pastors. <clears throat> I mean, even it didn't even matter. Southern Baptist, any, all the pastors were very, um, there were boundaries that they put. I mean, like I was just telling somebody the other day that, you know, when, when I first got saved as a 20 year old in college, you know, I, I joined this little Baptist church and, you know, day one, the pastor said, you know, there was a bunch of us in the room that had all joined. And he said, for all of you in college, I'll never know your name. And I sat there going, dude, you know, when I did go to church as a child, it was a little teeny church and you have to know my name. So I went to his office and I was like, okay, I need for you to know my name. And he, go, when I walked in the door, he goes, don't shut the door because my secretary has to be able to hear everything that's happening in this room. So that was how I, you know, that was a formative thing with me as a brand new Christian. Well, then we got to IHOP and Jim and I were constantly looking at people going, why are you riding in cars? You know, there's, there's male and females and I don't you know, age difference and all this stuff. And, People just thought, oh, my gosh, y'all are so legalistic. And I'm like, it's not legalistic. It's wise. You know, why are you constantly having meetings one on one with a man and a woman? And there's, you know, you're it doesn't bother you that you've got closed doors. You know, it doesn't bother you that people aren't holding you accountable, you know. And so we were constantly asking those questions. So, you know, everybody just disregarded it like, oh, my gosh, why would you care? And you know, I'm sure everybody's talked about it. You walk back to Mike's office and there, you know, his door has deadbolts from the inside with no key coming from the outside. And the first time we saw that, we were like, what is going on here? This is mm. weird. You know, right. and everybody was like, no, no, no. He likes to take naps. And I'm like, I like to take a nap too, but I don't have a door that <laughs> has a, doesn't have a key. You know, it was just like, this is not normal. This is not normal. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, of course it's normal. But, you know, now looking back, it's like, no, it wasn't normal. And there, and people noted, this is not normal. And it was just like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Hmm. That's not normal. Hmm. Susan, did you want to add to that? You kind of, you kind of shot up when, when Nancy mentioned the, I think you said two deadbolts that locked the door from the inside with no key, which made my jaw drop. Like, wow, I don't know who needs that unless maybe you're like the president or something. <laughs> I don't no, know, you know? You know, I mean, he had a level of, um, you know, he's got this very like gregarious personality on stage. But um, I mean, I was terrified of him because uh, he was not that way um, backstage. And I mean, you couldn't go knock on his office door. Like normally with a pastor, you could go and knock on their door. Um, this was not that you did not approach him. 
you did not, he had his own personal bathroom, which is kind of why I shut up when she was, you know, um, he, mm. he had his own bathroom was locked at all times and you had to have it uh, clean. I didn't ever clean it, but I knew people who did. And they said, if it wasn't cleaned correctly, he would just lose it. And, um, I had always heard a lot of stories about how angry he would get about certain things. In fact, so, um, I was going through a really rough time and Misty uh, was mentoring me. And so she has this little cubby that she kind of sits in and hangs out in instead of an office it's backstage. And this is like common knowledge. I'm not like outing her for anything. Um, and, uh, it's this little, like she's got a little pillow and she sits there and she was like, anytime you are feeling just like you need to get away from it all. You and and I'm singing on my sat. You can go sit there and just be there and uh, just wait for me. And Mike walks out one time. I finally did because um, it just felt like someone just offering me a safe place because I was just this one person in this sea of humans and no one checks on you. Like nobody, um, you know, there were no, when I was there, there were no, you know, district pastors or anything like that, prayer room pastors, anything. Um, there was no pastoral care. And, uh, and so, you know, I I'm sitting there and he walks out of his office and he is like, just like freezes and stares at me and then looks over at Misty. And I think she was coming off her set or something like that. And he's like, what is she doing here? Mm. And Misty's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know? I told her, I told her she could be here. I did it. And she's like, let me talk to him and goes and talks to him. And I'm like, I'm never coming here again. This guy mm -hmm. just does not feel great to me. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so I was shocked when I heard the allegations on one hand, but also I had always wondered why Mike so uh, almost like aggressively protected the legacies of these men who I came in to IHOP knowing were yeah. not good guys who mm. were predators. Interesting. Um, hmm. Okay. So the, yeah, when I heard it kind of clicked for me a little bit, but I, that was not, would have been, I, I was, there was nothing about him like on the front end, there was nothing about him that made me go like, Oh yeah, this guy, you know, he's a predator. In retrospect, I'm kind of like, some of the things he did were kind of weird. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think so, with us, okay, we yeah, always Nancy. felt yeah. like that we could approach him, you know, and maybe that was, I'm a, I would say older, but I don't think so. The worship teams felt like they could approach him. Mm. Um, yeah. So maybe that's just a difference in time frame when we were here and stuff, because, because there were so many times that I just walked up and would say, I need to talk to you about something. Mm. And you know, I mean, he would make time for that, but, um, yeah. So I didn't see the aloofness, but, and I don't think the worship team leaders, you know, saw that either. I felt like he was very available for them and stuff. It's just, yeah. I mean, there were just things that were odd. So, yeah. So, so this statement comes out, it's signed by these three people and then and maybe Nancy, <clears throat> you have more insight than I do here. I'm under the impression that before this statement came out, Mike preached a sermon talking about something to the effect of like gossip and just that kind of idea. Do you know anything about that at all? Like that, that sermon that he preached before this statement came out? Um, talking about betrayal? Yeah, sorry, betrayal. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because when he preached that sermon, I think all of us that had done the podcast thought, 
that was more in reference to us, not because none of us knew mm. what was about to come out. Does that make sense? But it was totally a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 But they had had, I mean, they did know that this was coming. So yes, it was okay. directed to everybody. And so, so when I started kind of tuning in, I watched this, I saw this statement and then I watched, I think the live stream at forerunner, which is kind of like the IHOP church people thing. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. And the three leaders on the stage, Honestly, I, I'm not sure if you all saw it, but like I was not very impressed with how they were talking about the whole situation. It was like incredibly <laughs> no. aloof and it was a very different tone than the statement. And listen, I, I'm on the outside, so I didn't know in the beginning that the people who made that, this initial statement were not the same people on that stage. Like I just didn't put two and two together because I'm like, oh, the leaders are holding Mike accountable, so they're going to talk about it. But now I see and understand that the people who wrote the letter are former IHOP you know, board members, and the people on the stage are current IHOP um, leaders, I guess. Nancy or Susan, either Correct. one. Can you kind of give us just a crash course into the three leaders on the statement versus the leaders on that stage and just like what some of their roles are, just so the audience has some kind of context? Yeah, I mean, on stage, you have um, Isaac Bennett. Uh, he was actually in my internship. Um, was it, it, Isaac was on stage, right? Yes. I'm, I'm, okay. I had a moment where I was like, was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, And he's, I think, uh, actually the head pastor of Forerunner Church right now. And then you've got Stuart Greaves. Uh, Stuart Greaves is actually the director of the mission space. And so like a year ago, Mike, there was this big like organizational change and Mike uh, ended up uh, stepping back so that he would have, uh, put that in air quotes so that he would have, be able to speak more freely. Uh, but it was, a seems like it was more of a legal move. And so Stuart Greaves ended up, he used to be, um, in charge of, uh, the, the night watch, which is the, I think it starts at what, 10 PM or midnight and goes through the night. Um, and he was made director of the whole base. And uh, and then he's also the one that people are going to be seeing um, in like the Julie Roy's article who uh, talked to multiple women um, and uh, sort of did not actively encourage them to go to police and uh, in, in one at least one case blamed the women for like attracting the man, mm. which is... Wow. Absolutely awful. And, and so um, my experience with him was, was that he was very intense, very um, critical, um, that kind of thing. And then, and then you had Dave Syker, who was, uh, he used to be head of one thing. And then now I think he is the head of the director of IHUPU. Um, he is the IHUPU board in its entirety, pretty much. Uh, there is no independent or, or, or board outside of executive leadership. Okay. Um, and uh, a friend of mine actually went to try and confirm that because she had a grievance to take to the board. Because um, they sort of they they she signed up for a school of music, former school of music, and it ended up just being folded into IHOPU. And so these like random organizational changes happen all the time. Um, but so that's he's now he's still IHOPU director, um, and then he's also executive leadership team. I think. Both yeah. of them are, but just not Isaac. Isaac is just pastor forerunner, I believe. No, I think he's okay. on the LT too. Is he on the LT too? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like what, it's is always L in what does LT stand for? 
ELT is Executive Leadership Team. Oh, thank you. Okay. So that's like Daniel Lim uh, and Stuart Greaves, David Slyker, Misty Edwards is, I think, ELT. Mike Bickle is technically not, but genuinely, basically. That is. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Okay. And then on on the letter... Um, that was released on October 28th. We have Dwayne Roberts, former executive leadership team and board member, Brian Kim, former executive leadership team and board member, and then Wes Martin, former pastor, forerunner Christian Fellowship, and former vice president of student affairs. So these are all former people, but I'm assuming they have to still be somewhat connected to be the ones to blow the whistle on this. They obviously have to have connections somehow to the people, the alleged you know victims of all of this who are attached to this do you have any insight to these three people like like were they around when, when you were there susan or nancy like did you talk to these guys do you know kind of why they're former or not current any insight i'm just curious well i know that uh Dwayne left too he was actually the one thing uh internship leader that i signed up to go under and he was switched out with dave i know he went to go plant i think it's f hop right um which is uh, although i think he may be back in kansas city now doing like yeah, a house yes. church thing uh-huh. yeah. um yeah and so um you know so i know that he was director over at f-hop i believe and then what is where's west hall is he at the gate city he said a church in um st louis yeah yeah so i and i believe he left for that oh okay. west and martin not west hall west yeah. martin west hall Oops. yeah west hall is down with allen yeah you were right on that my bad my bad <laughs> no, it's uh, well. I mean, uh, to be fair, there's a lot of names here. I'm trying to juggle there, them all. Yeah. Like, wait, I'm trying to put something to who's this person, who's that person. And I think that's what makes a lot of this difficult for a lot of people who are not intimately familiar with IHOP to kind of understand. Like, we understand, okay, Mike Bickle, credible accusations, but the people who who came forward are former IHOP executives, and then you have the people on the stage more recently who are current IHOP executives right. who like we said earlier, give a very different tone. Um, frankly, I was, I was, well, I can't say I was shockingly disappointed, but I was definitely like, you guys just spent a whole lot of time saying nothing. So essentially audience, what happened was shortly after that statement came out, accusing Mike Bickle of all those things. Um, the, uh, the leadership team, or at least a few of them did a special service where they live streamed at 11 a.m. on Sunday. And essentially what they did was they said a lot of nothing. Like they didn't give any details of what was going on. They didn't say much about what the actual situation that Mike's being accused of. They asked for a lot of patience. They said that, that, that they can't give details about anything just yet. And then they use a lot of Jesus language. And then they had people in the church break up into small groups and pray and then they ended the service. So from from soup to nuts, right? From the beginning to the end, there was way more musical worship than there was actually talking about what's actually going on. Now, I want to try and frame this in the most positive way I can. I have definitely been a part of situations where something comes out that you couldn't control and you don't have the data available yet to say everything emphatically because and you, you and you don't want to say things that are untrue so you tend to be quiet i understand things like that can happen things can get complicated i get all that however when you wrap a conversation about your leader who's a massive name in a lot of jesus language that begs for you know leniency and understanding and patience while not giving timelines or not giving 
any sense of like, we're diligently investigating this, or here's the next step, or here's what we're looking to do. And then you say, all right, guys, break up into small groups and pray over the situation. And then when you smack that, when, when you sandwich that with Mike's previous sermon right, about betrayal the week before, which his leadership team has had to have known about, I mean, maybe they didn't, but I'm assuming that they did. And then I want to drop this bomb now, uh, Susan. Oh, I'm you, so you, excited you, for this. You sent me this. So I just want to point out um, that this is dated November 14th. So this came out today. There's a, there, This was sent out to the IHOP U student mail list. Uh, quote, the rise of Babylon and the battle for truth. School of Messengers Intensive, November 16th, 8th through 18th. And here's what the caption says. Babylon is rising and the church must stand in her prophetic calling. But how can she withstand the cultural onslaught of lies if she cannot identify what false justice is? At the School of Messengers, November Intensive, join... Uh, it says David Slicker and Stuart Greaves for three days of teaching, discussion, and interaction. Take a deep dive into what scripture says about the global religious economic system that will deceive many and how the church can stand as a gospel witness in power. And then it gives the dates. Now, listen, I am just saying if your leader, if your person who founded your thing, right, is facing credible, according to the statement released, credible accusations of sexual. <laughs> abuse, right? You really need to be, be freaking careful with the language you use publicly or that you send to your students on a, on a public email list. And to talk about trying to fight back against lies and how do you know what truth is, in my opinion, is just incredibly tone deaf. I'm just like, wow, you guys are not reading the room at all. But I would love to know, Nancy, let's start with you. You know, what is your take so far on the response by the actual in-power leadership team with these Mike Bickle accusations. How do you feel about them? How are you feeling so far? Um, well, I think that, um, you know, I keep having to clarify with people that, that I chose to do, you know, the podcast with Heaven Bent, mainly to address those leaders. You know, hmm. Mike wasn't even kind of in this thing. So my logic on this, and I keep saying, is. Um, you know, from what we've seen and all this stuff, they need to resign. Every one of them, the ELT needs to say, we have to mm -hmm. step down and we have to let this investigation go forward with a third party in charge and we're not in charge. So, I mean, that's my stance. So, you know, I think that every, I think a lot of people are calling for that. You know, they've had the, um, they've just had a lot going on. I mean, like Joel Richardson was supposed to be part of this thing this weekend and i don't know if you're following his tweets but no. dude, he's not oh you need to no, he's, he's not, not holding back he's, he's great calling he's not everybody liars and i'm like oh thank you joel i'm not the only one so sorry um, who, who, no. who is joel can you give me I, maybe i missed it but who is joel joel richardson he um he was part of my i think years ago way before we got here was he here when you were here he, he wasn't that i not i i don't think i knew him well, anyway, he just does, um, he does a lot. He's an author. He's an, he writes books and he talks to people like you, you know, he's like oh. a professional person on here. Yeah. Maybe okay. he'll come and talk to you. Maybe he will. Yeah. Uh, I think he's like yeah. a, he's like a Bible teacher, right? Yeah. Too. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, he's like a Bible teacher. And then, um, he's got a, you know, a bunch of, I, I believe he's got like a podcast and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But was but like, somewhat involved. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, you know, the second week, 
that they were doing the announcements, you know, we're overseas, you know, I'm, I'm tuning in cause I just want to see. So I'm having to go through, you know, the, the website and you know, you're, I mean, I'm just going, okay, it's been two weeks since it was announced. You right. had ample knowledge before this was announced, but yet for any person clicking on this thing, you know, it's just, you know, there, there's a, I forgotten even what it was, but there's like, you know, a mic photo. There's a mic. I mean, a mic is still on everything. The website wise in order to sign up for, you know, the forerunner church in order to listen in. And then there's that entire advertisement of, hey, come do this messenger school. And I mean, he's all in that video too. And I'm like, you guys aren't, are, you, you need a trauma book. Somebody get Diane Lightwood right. and read her book. Somebody, right. you know, get, get Wade Mullins book, something mm-hmm. and read through trauma because it's like the, there are people here who have been traumatized and you should have been on top of this and you should just be more apologetic and say, okay, we're not going to have the school of messengers in November because obviously we have a lot going on in our house. Right. You know, I mean, it feels, like it feels get targeted. It. I mean, if I, I feel targeted and honestly, I, I, and I mean, I'm coming from a lot of years of watching it on the outside and I love to believe the best of people, but yeah. um, I also think that there's a lot of language that's used that is intentionally minimizing. There is a lot yes. of framing um, yes. that happens um, consistently. And, and, and I've been, you know, I've been, you know, watching I have for almost 20 years, um, whether in it or, or outside it, living in Kansas City. Now I just this year moved uh, further away, but there's, you know, I watched them frame things during, um, you know, the Bethany Deaton, um, you know, case. And I watched, uh, the lack of transparency in the same language. Hey, we just need to be patient. We need to wait for the truth to come out. But all that time they were actively suppressing the truth and they were deleting emails. Yeah. And they were gaslighting folks. They were Wait, I'm sorry. We got to pause. Who, who is this you're talking about and what's the story here? I don't think people know what's going on. So back, uh, what year would this have been? Like, what was this? 2014? Yeah, 2012. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, there was a young girl, Bethany Deaton. She was a nurse. She uh, was, I think she had gone through IHOPU, right? And um, I, I might botch some of this, so interrupt me. But um, she was part of this little, like, Rolling Stones covered this. Um, you can Google yeah. the article. They did a great in-depth article on it. Um, but uh, she was, was, they believed, murdered. She was found dead in a van. Um trigger warning um because this is this because this involves suicide and it was found to be a suicide there was a note um she was on camera however i hop um rather than i hop tried to carry out its own kind of investigation that he's they started sort of interrogating the friends group involved and they were convinced that there was there were leaders in IHOP who were convinced there was some sort of like sin right and so Mm. they started um sort of interrogating this group of kids held for 24 hours this one kid Micah Moore he has basically a psychotic break and it was that's that was you can read the legal documents you can find them the case uh you know the the filing is public and his lawyer essentially says he was shouted at 
right after this traumatic event where his friend is found dead for like, and, and basically held and not let go by this team of prayer warriors mm. who were determined to get to the truth. And he had a psychotic episode and confesses to, to murdering her and this whole, whole thing. Oh my gosh. Um, but it wasn't true. And in the moment he slept, he woke up and was like, I absolutely did not do this. I don't know why I said that. I, and he was just, he was brought into this sort of like hysterical state um, where he just essentially temporarily was not sane because of the sleep deprivation, because of the pressure, because they were saying, you know, we know, you know, we know you sinned, we know you did this. And they're planting all these ideas for 24 hours straight. We're talking, Mm. taking these kids into side rooms, taking these kids, holding them at this random house. And, uh, and so, uh, I was part of, um, and, and I say that really loosely, but a group of people who were speaking out against it, I wasn't a part of IHOP, but I, I you know, knew a lot of folks who were still there and they were starting a petition. And um, I, out of respect, I'm not going to say their names because a lot of them moved sure. on with their lives. Yeah. Um, but they uh, wrote this, this petition asking IHOP for transparency, to be honest, um, to release the evidence that exonerated Micah because they had they had footage of him in the prayer room walking in and out and they had tried to delete it and they refused to give up the evidence that exonerated him that proved he literally could not have done it. They deleted all these crazy emails. And so this one uh, guy who was a professor um, at IHOPU uh, came forward and said, I was told to delete emails. He was honest. He was obviously like immediately fired. Um, wow. And came forward as kind of a whistleblower and started this petition. And I have, they suppressed the heck out of it. And so I, I mean, I watched what they did then. I watched what they did with the Brad Tebbett stuff, who was a, um, he was, uh, he's not a registered sex offender, uh, but only because he settled out of court, but, you know, he sexually abused a minor. And wow. then now he is the managing admissions manager. So they know this. He was on the SBC's list. Yes. Um, because it happened when he was a, a youth pastor there as a 14 year old girl from the age of 14 to 16. And what did he do? What they do? Um, they, they, Grace gets called in. They do this whole dang report, right? And they refuse to release the report. And they, they, they don't implement a single item on that report. Uh, and I know they didn't, the, the reason I know is just because my friend went and she uh, confronted their, um, I have you, you know, that people at I have you and sh- they said, she said, show me your policy. Right. And they did not have one. They said, we wow. don't, well, we don't have one. She's like, I just want your HR handbook. That's all I'm here for. I just right. want to see that you've made changes since I was here. And they hadn't incredibly brave woman, super respect her. Um, and so you know, and, and anyone can tell you they don't they don't have an HR manual. Um, and that's that is what grace this this organization that we've been calling for in the petition. That's what they do as part of their investigation. Yeah. They also say, hey, here are the changes you need to implement to be a safe place. IHAP has just uniformly refused to do that. Yeah. And did not release that report. Well, and I, then, I, do you yeah, know he, he works now? Well, this will be my last, I promise. Uh, get no, a you're good. Ranty you're about good. This. No, be ranty. It's fine. But um, as of October, I looked at their organizational chart. Brad Tebbett 
who is, again, did sexually abuse a minor for two and a half years as an adult, as a pastor. He is the admissions manager for IHOPU, which means he is in a position currently where he interfaces with minors. And that was something IHOP said he would not do. They had put him in charge of Simeon Company, which is for uh, seniors. So he is currently, to my knowledge, as of October, he is interfacing with guaranteed some minors. And so an organization who's going to do that after a petition, after outcry, after national news articles are released, to me, that looks like an organization that doesn't care about being safe. That's a middle finger Hmm. to every victim. That's, That's what that is to me. When I right. look at that. And you're saying that that Brad, as of October of this year, is still working there in some capacity. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's helpful. Also, while you were talking about the other story of um uh Bethany Deaton. Yes. I w- I found um a CBS article from 2015. I was reading it while you were talking, pretty much almost not verbatim, but yeah, I mean everything that you said was pretty much in that article of like kind mm-hmm. of the twists and I mean the twists and turns of what happened and the murder versus the suicide and just all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, wow, I, I don't, I didn't know any of that. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like, and maybe Nancy, I would love maybe some of your input here because as someone who worked maybe in the, some of the uh, more pastoral side of things, but given what you just shared, Susan, I don't really have a ton of faith that IHOP is maybe committed to actually the transparency that's needed and then the, the subsequent accountability to follow, um, you know, assuming that these allegations are found true, which right now we don't have a huge reason. Of course, we want it. We want to have data beyond, you know, a statement, but the statement is very uh, damning in and of itself, especially given the credibility of the people on board. So, I mean, Nancy, do you feel like um, that it's unlikely that IHOP is really taking these things seriously for the sake of the victims and is more focused about protecting, you know, its own image and the, and the quote unquote ministries that it's a part of? Um, I mean, yeah, I just think, I think that, um, that our kind of hindsight is yeah, the, the gaslighting and the lying is so extreme because, you know, we were here in 2012, you know, we would have told you an entire scenario of Bethany's murder because that's what everybody was told was that she was murdered and this guy got away with it. And it was just like smoke and mirrors. So it's like, you know, looking at the the actual evidence today as to what we kind of heard then, then that we, I mean, we definitely were in a bubble. So it's mm. just, yeah. And all of it is, I don't understand the line. You know, Brad Tibbetts worked at IHOPU for years now. And I challenge people because I'm like, every time, you know, Kansas City Star wrote about him. You know, all these times people would write about him, they would say that he worked with Simeons. And it's like, he hadn't worked for Simeons in like four or five years. Hmm. And it's like, why why is that the statement that people keep repeating? Because it's like, you know, if you have the man in a job, then be honest about it. Tell people where he's working. Hmm. Now, recently, IHOP leaders announced that they changed the law firm that they're working with to investigate these claims. <laughs> Um, some people might see that and go, oh, look, you know, like people spoke out about, I think it was Stinson LLP that, you know, that, 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 that the initial law firm hired is just a big 
protect the institutional law firm at all costs. And look, they heard people and they changed it to another more local law firm. What are, what are your takes on that? Uh, maybe Susan, we can start with you. Like when you heard that, did you be like, oh, maybe they're listening or do you think it's just more image management? Give me your thoughts. I thought it was a performative, a performative move. Uh, nothing mm. more. Um, they switched. My first thought was, could they not pay Stinson? Uh, I have chronically strapped for cash. Um, my second thought was, although they do have a lot of big backers, uh, my second thought was, um, did Stinson not want to do it? Did Mm. they look at it and say, this is terrible PR? Uh, we don't want to be known for this. Um, or did they look at the scope and I have wouldn't agree to a scope that, uh, Stinson felt that they could do like from a legal perspective that would cover them. And, um, and then, you know, Ben Anderson came out with, uh, here's, here's a post on Facebook that said, here's the, um, here's the lawyer that they're working with. And it's like a friend of Dave Slyker. Mm. Um, and so they've and Dave refused is one of when, the leaders on, on IHOP right yeah, now, right? Okay. Yeah, he, Dave is. And then uh, when they were asked for a statement, hey, can, will you tell us, is this true? They said, well, we're not going to. Lenny LaGuardia came out and said, well, we're not going to, um, to, to, to protect the privacy of the lawyer. We're not going to reveal her identity. Um, and so huh. as someone who worked on the, the petition, um, and and wrote actually the, what ended up being the final draft. They didn't meet. They, they've actually gone backwards in mm. terms of of what we've asked for. Um, they are now less transparent. Um, it's local, so given their level of like integration with the local community, uh, now there's even more chance of bias. And of course, since they're not being transparent, we don't know the name of it. Mm. We can't really ask them to disclose. Like they're not <laughs> like, I'd love to, I'd love to see them disclose conflicts of interest. I, I'm fascinated. And they also announced a right. new, uh, tonight, a new, um, uh, pastoral care or like therapist for people who, uh, might be in need of, um, pastoral care regarding, cause we had, one of the things we had said is people need access to licensed therapists. Well, yeah. the guy that they got is a friend of Isaac Bennett's. Mm. So there's just constant, like, let it, it's like, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like a family that has abuse and toxicity. And then your parents are like, hey, yeah, that's fine. I'll send you to my best friend. Right. Like, yeah, that's right. There's a reason that that is not allowed in in practices and therapy practices, because you're not able to be unbiased. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, they, I, yeah. I don't believe that they are committed to um, justice. I think that they are committed to their version of justice and to hmm. convincing the people around them to, to, to grooming their own, you know, their own uh, congregation and their students to only accept the justice that they say is justice. Uh, which is why I think they're going forward with this this false justice thing. Um, it it is specifically to 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 shut down, you know. From my view, the only reason you do that and and talk about like false justice and yeah. and um, 
that kind of thing is to keep folks listening to you and to plant distrust yep. towards the outside world and the outside community. We can't, we can't ever validate outside experts on trauma. We can't ever validate outside experts on how to handle sexual assault. Yeah. Nancy, I see you're nodding your head a lot. Do you, do you agree? I agree. And I mean, I agree because I mean, you know, I mean, like I said, before all of this came out, about Mike, obviously he knew it was coming. So, I mean, he wasn't necessarily talking about betrayal and just those of us that had been on the podcast, but, um, you know, he was talking about a a broad, wide group, but it's like, you can't keep talking like that. You know, you can't Mm. keep gaslighting. You can't Mm. keep attacking Gracia. You can't keep attacking me. You can't keep, you know, and I've talked to people that they're like, we're in meetings and you know, all the leaders are constantly giving their take on things. And it's, you know, and I mean, like even yesterday, you know, somebody was telling me, they said, you know, this is, this is someone's version of what is happening right now. There's so many lies in our community. You know, there's so many lies on the internet. There's so many lies, you know, and I'm sitting here going, dude, can I tell you where most of the lies are coming from? Because I was like, they're right. not coming from any of us. I was like, we started this thing saying, the or I started this thing. You know, I mean, when they asked me to be on the podcast, I thought the main reason I'm going to be on this podcast is strictly for Revelation 21.8. When it's like liars are going to go to hell. I'm mm. like, dude, you guys have got to stop lying. You mm. have to stop gaslighting. You have to get to the point where you repent and go, whoa. We have uh, the only job we have at this point forward as a leader in a ministry is to speak forth truth. And that's all I want. I want somebody to start saying, hey, you know what? We didn't treat women correctly in our midst. We didn't treat women with honor in our midst. And we need to repent of that and fall on our faces and get get before these women and say, how do we make restitution to you? You know. If yeah. telling the truth is is going down that route, I'm not real sure that's going to happen. So, yeah, it is. You know, I've been doing this work now for about three years, um, like this. You know, on a deeper level, and there just seem to be these patterns, and the theology plays its own role depending on, on what it is. It doesn't matter if it's John MacArthur and his Reformed theology, or if it's something like this, which was much more charismatic and you know more of a, a, a prophetic type of a theology. But it seems like those theologies are usually weaponized to protect the institution and its main leader at all costs. And the Bible is weaponized to really only apply to them and how they decide to use it, right? So, you know, to your point, Nancy, right, you quoted Revelation there about, you know, liars going to hell. And for a lot of people who are on the other end of of the authority chain, they can use those verses when they want to hold you accountable. Uh, but the second you use that towards them, well, there's a different verse that, that you know, outranks your verse because they have a, an, an anointing on them. So who are you? You know, you're the one, you're the one sowing dissension, right? And then, right. then you insert the verse there. And so it's frustrating because a lot of these systems, as we've kind of talked about already, are A, very attractive to a lot of people because they kind of offer this sense of being a part of something bigger than yourself. There's a spiritual element to it. 
Um, I have found I'm I'm over generalizing here, but in more of the charismatic spaces, it's also kind of a little mystic. You know, it's a little like oh, yeah. the, the presence of God and yeah. the spirit of God and and the, the prophetic anointing of God. Like that's a very mystic way of thinking about things, which isn't always bad, but it, it adds a sense of beauty and wonder and mystery. And then when you combine that with systems that are like, hey, live counterculture, live radically for God, like for the kingdom, as someone who was radicalized by my Christian tradition, that was a very attractive message, right? I wanted to be mm-hmm. countercultural. I wanted to be on a fire. I wanted to, you know, love people well. Unfortunately, it seems like all too often what was happening behind the scenes was actually much more damaging and much more sinister than that. You know, and it turned out that a lot of the people in positions of authority were not willing to hear feedback when people were getting hurt. We're not talking about, you know, hey, I interpret a verse this way and you don't, you know, therefore you're abusive, right? We're talking about people, usually in this case, women, um, saying, hey, I'm experiencing sexual abuse here. I've experienced sexual assault here. Hey, um, you know, um, know, Gracia shared her story about how she was fired and how uh, the leader was like, I'm sorry, I couldn't apologize. Like, it wouldn't be a good leader. It's like, wait, what? Like, what kind of, that's a very inverted way of thinking about leadership, right? We talked about this on the previous podcast with her. And so I think like, it's not just that okay, maybe I'm not I'm not into speaking in tongues anymore. Maybe I'm deconstructing. That's not what the problem is. The problem is that these systems too often are used to maintain power and control over others, uh, and it ends up doing a lot of damage to them. And then when yeah, frankly shit exactly. hits the fan, right? All of a sudden they're no, they're not accountable. All of a sudden right. you're the enemy. All of a sudden you're the Jezebel, right? You're the one gossiping. It's like whoa, this whole thing's been weaponized, right? The second I start calling out the truth of whatever's going on. That's very frustrating to work with, but I see that pattern like way too freaking often, which is infuriating, frankly. It's, yeah, yeah. it's totally infuriating. Yeah, wow. Hmm. Um, what do you think, you know, as we start kind of wrap, getting ready to wrap up here. And again, I want to thank both of you. I mean, Nancy and Susan, you both hopped on kind of, um, out of the blue, you, you, you trusted me to have this conversation with you, not really knowing me. So I appreciate, you know, that trust and having this conversation with me. What do you, um, I guess it's kind of a twofold question. Part one is how do you expect IHOP to handle this going forward? And number two is, what would you want to see IHOP do to handle this the right way going forward, right? People do bad things. Sometimes you hire someone who's a who's a really bad person and they went under the radar and then something's exposed. Okay, bad things can happen. We all know that. But what would be the process? So maybe, uh, Susan, let's start with you. How do you think IHOP's going to handle this and how do you wish IHOP would handle this? Um, I think... Mike will stay silent Hmm. uh, because he does not respond to accusation ever out loud. And the people who work for Mike will handle all of it and they will be extremely aggressive. Uh, They will say essentially nothing from the stage and continue to gaslight and continue to kind of just do sort of this like passive, well, it's actually really active grooming through teachings that are unrelated, like false justice. And then they will, they will continue forward until they are forced uh, into a corner, at which point they'll do as many lateral performative moves as they can, like changing to a law form that is biased. There'll be a lot of spin 
and it'll just be constant spin and they will try to do that until it goes away. Hmm. Um, and it'll go away for their people eventually very quickly. There's a quick turnaround because there's always another crisis. So, hmm. you know, right now they're very like, we, this is an attack against the prayer room. This is an attack against, you know, a distraction from praying for Israel and Israel needs us. Hmm. Israel needs our prayers. And this is what Mike talked about. And so, um, they'll invent a new crisis. Not that, not that at all to say that Israel's an invented crisis, but I'm, right, I'm right. saying they capitalize on crisis yes. and use that to focus people's attention and then call everything else the things that distract. Mm. So that would be my expectation for them. What I'd like them to do yeah. is um, hire Grace or an organization like it, implement all of the policy changes that were asked for, uh, release the Brad Tebbett report unredacted, fire him. Uh, the entire executive leadership team should uh, immediately step down and they need to make every single person a mandated reporter. All of them need to go through training on trauma-informed care and sexual assault reporting. Uh, and honestly, uh, <laughs> I mean, they need to essentially have a huge public show of repentance from the stage where they essentially say, we failed you as leaders completely. Mm. Yeah. And we submit ourselves to, you know, you know, to the, to, to, to people who know how to handle these situations. Mm. Because we're clearly not cut out for it. That would be the right response. Mm. Yeah. And they would leave, you know, they would, they would stop, you know, trying to sue the Roy's report. Mm. Uh, you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, they're just, you know, stop, um, stop aggressively, uh, you know, calling people who have left betrayers. Mm. Um, you know, there's just so much absolutely gross and i mean i like i don't have words for it without like just swearing profusely so, well for, for the record like, you're allowed to swear so on this podcast you're allowed swearing. to say that all the swears if you want you don't have to but you're allowed I'm, to <laughs> i don't even know if i can like string enough together <laughs> like i've just i've been watching this happen yeah I, i'd say what when i was there i, I don't mean i had you know, when I, I, I feel like when you don't know how to verbalize things, a lot of times you'll have dreams. Yeah. And, uh, and so when I was like, I don't know, maybe 20, I had this dream that I was like walking around with, um, this guy, Justin Rizzo, who's, he's a worship leader. Both of us were worship leaders at I have been. So, but he stayed longer. He became a pretty prominent one. Anyway, we're walking in the neighborhood and we see all these, um, dead bodies everywhere. And there's just body, 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 body all around us. And I'm like, what is happening? What yeah. has happened here? And it's clear that there's just, and it's all young people like us, right? And um, I see this paramedic and none of these bodies are like covered. Like normally if there was a huge accident, you would have like sheets over the bodies. And so I'm watching, I'm like, oh my God, people are getting like traumatized watching this take place. And I talked, I turned to this paramedic. I'm like, why are you not even covering the bodies? Like people mm. are going to be traumatized. Like there's, there's children in this neighborhood. Like we're just like walking through seeing all this. And they're like, we're out of body bags. And I woke up and I was like, oh my God, there's so much 
harm. There's so many people who've been just absolutely destroyed in this place that they can't even cover it up anymore. Mm. And, and that was literally my takeaway years ago. And I've just been watching that for now, what, like 19 years, just like thing after thing, after thing where people are just absolutely gutted and destroyed and have panic attacks walking to church. And that's their legacy. Like that's their legacy. That's the fruit. Yeah. And like, you know, we want to get biblical, like a good tree. Bears good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit only. Yeah. They yeah. cannot bear good fruit. They haven't. They've just mm. harmed for years and they can't, they can't keep covering it up. And so oh. my, I, I'm hoping they're backed into a corner this time. But if they're not, this is yeah. just rinse and repeat. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Nancy, what do you think? What do you think uh, they're going to do? And what do you wish that, that they would do? Well, I can't, I was listening to everything Susan said, and then when she said she was going to start cussing, I thought, oh my gosh, I grew up on a farm. I can actually say ditto to all of this, right? That was, that was a joke. But then she didn't, so now I can go, oh, look, I'm holy. I didn't cuss. Um, <laughs> I was, it was yeah. for you. I was saving you. There, I know. My whole family is going to be so proud. Um I mean, but seriously, I was listening to everything Susan said, and I was going, I completely, utterly ditto everything she's saying. Mm. I mean, I, I agreed with every ounce of it. And I would, I would love to just, I have a, I have a dear friend, and um, she is, her heritage, she's a Palestinian. And even when she was talking, I thought, you know, yeah, you're going to distract with Israel, pray for Israel, pray for Israel, pray for Israel. And I thought, does anybody know the number of pregnant women in Palestine right now? Does, mm. does anybody know the number of children that have been killed right now? Who is shouting, let's pray for Palestine? You know, nobody, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 Israel, Israel, Israel. And I'm all about pray for Israel. But it's like, this is, this is a picture in front of us. Are we always going to pray about the prayer room and the leaders and they're always right? Or are we going to stop and say, all those ones that you saw, the body bags, there weren't enough body bags, the wounded ones when are we going to stop and say, oh, wait, it's not just about the one group that appears to be so right. It's about who are the ones getting wounded, right? Mm-hmm. Who are the ones that are just as much a part of this ministry, but they got attacked and wounded and cast aside? You know, when we first got here, there would be so many times when we'd be sitting around a table with leaders and I'd go, I'm kind of concerned about this one person because it seems like Ezekiel 34, it seems like we're pushing them away. We're driving them away. And I was getting alarmed by that because I thought this isn't, this is not what good shepherds do. We, We don't gaslight people. We don't lie about people. We don't send people away. We bless people. If they want to go out, let them go out, but you're going to bless their going out. So, I mean, I, I agree with everything Susan said and just giving that analogy though that they need to open up their eyes and be repentant in positions where they've missed it completely and their fruit isn't good and they have negative fruit. They need to be willing to fall on their faces and say, I need to repent. Yeah. And I hope that happens, but I don't think it's going to happen, but that's my biggest. I've never seen it. I I know, but wouldn't it be so so fun if we did? It, I oh, mean, it would be, it would be I, incredibly healing. It would restore my healing. faith. I'll tell you That's that. It. 
it would can, it would it would it would heal it, I mean, so many people's hearts yeah I have learned uh, as I renegotiated renegotiated my faith that, you know, things are more complicated, right? Things aren't always black and white. However, in things like this, I'm like, it's not overly complicated, guys. When you do something bad, you turn and go the other way. This is like Christianity 101. This is not overly complicated. And sometimes you do things that are so egregious, there are permanent consequences, right? You can still be forgiven while still having consequences. And just like how, if I, you know, I told you guys, I think offline, I used to work at Apple back in the day in the retail stores. Well, if, if I, if a customer comes in and I treat them like garbage and say some very terrible things about them, I'm probably going to get fired. And even if I found that person and profusely apologized and repented, I'd still be fired from my job, right. right? There's still a consequence there. And so how much more for leaders who position themselves as spiritual authorities, convince other people to either raise their own support or to give them money to attend their institution under their spiritual authority. And then it turns out that they're misusing that spiritual authority uh, for power and control. And for some people, their own very perverted sexual gratification, right? Even if you repent from all that, in fact, that's not the right way I should say it. I'll put it this way. True, in my opinion, and I'm, I'm emphatic about this, true repentance leads to you knowing that you've forever forfeited your position as a spiritual authority. Because you know yeah, how be much you messed up, mm-hmm. right? You, you realize that for you to turn and go the other way means you're turning going from the other way of the life you used to live, aka being a pastor. And I want right. to be clear to the audience because people sometimes, you know, again, when, when we live in binaries, we think that what, what I'm saying is that if a pastor says the F word one day, they should be permanently barred from ministry. That's not what I'm saying. Things are on a spectrum here. When you're accused credibly, you know, uh, and we can use other examples of actual proven ones, like in court, you know, of sexually abusing someone like that person who's currently working for IHOP right now. I forgot his name, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah, Brad Tebbit. Right. When you have an actual credible accusation, you actually did something, you forever forfeited your position to work in a place like that because of the abuse that you caused. You can still be forgiven by God and even repent, but that repentance leads to you knowing You've you've lost that ability, right? Yeah, don't be a shepherd if you're going to eat the sheep. Exactly, I mean, it feels like pretty, pretty it's, maybe go work in agriculture now. Right, right. You know? exactly. Like that's maybe exactly it's right. just because that's right. Sheep that's right. are kind of like no, we don't like you anymore. Right, exactly. Understandably, and well, and, and what it, what always gets brought up is oh, but David, right? Oh, but King David. He did this horrible thing, right? And mm-hmm. I always want to be like, yeah, and do you remember what happened after that? He wasn't allowed to build the temple. Right. Like, do you, right. you remember, his, right? Like, he was no family, longer involved with the church. It's and his not, family like, was a disaster. Like, his, there, yeah. were, oh, there right. were permanent consequences. It was horrible. Like, it was terrible. I mean, the whole kingdom splits, like, right. you know. And so well, I, I just say, if we want to be real biblical, right. let's go like, ahead. Keep, keep reading. do that with <laughs> I have. <laughs> Well, and my husband's biggest, yeah, my husband's biggest thing lately has been, it is amazing how often these people will say, oh, don't you touch God's anointed. You know, you, you know, we saw that in the life of David, don't touch God's anointed. And Jim's response lately has been, well, now let's talk about Nathan. Nathan, the prophet, went to David and he knew good and well when he walked in the door, okay, David can have me killed by every word that's about to come out of my mouth. But yep. did that dis- that didn't distract him at all. No, he went in and he confronted him. And what happened? He repented. But there was still exactly what you just said. There were consequences. 
even though he did repent, even though he got his life back right with God. And I'm to the point of going, where are the Nathans? Because we need some Nathans going up to some people saying, you need to repent. I 100% agree with you. I think that's really wise. Listen, um, Susan, Nancy, I appreciate you making time. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say this in the intro, but just to reiterate, friends, I recommend, you know, I wanted to cover at least the what is IHOP, which is part one and kind of what's happening now. That's part two. That's why I brought you both on. But for any future updates, I really recommend the Heaven Bent podcast. Um, She's doing an amazing job. And I think that she has more content to do as she's kind of following this more in real time. Um, And so I recommend following her and, and that podcast. It's so good for kind of future updates. Obviously, we share this kind of stuff on our Instagram channels and other social media channels. But I really appreciate both of you making time and uh, helping the audience understand like what's going on. And, and honestly, those other stories that you talked about with other people who, um, you know, were really um, underneath the machine of IHOP, you know, and, and all of that is helpful to have a context, right? Of, of like the, the established pattern. Now, I hope that we see something miraculous and that they break that pattern, but all signs right. do not look that promising. Susan, you said that there's a petition going around. Is that correct? That, 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 yeah. that you started? Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I- yeah, not send just that to me, me, but yes. I'll put yeah, it in absolutely. show notes. That'd be absolutely. good. She wrote it though. And, and how many signs? I mean, how many signatures now? It's is it three thousand? I think it's like twenty. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, it's like almost three thousand. I think right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we can yeah. double that. Let's do it. Yeah, That'd be no, amazing. That would be I'm in. Huge. Yeah. Cool. Lots of people from IHOP, former and current, are signing it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Tim, I just yeah. want to tell you. At one point, I was laughing because as Susan was telling some of these stories, your face was like. What? I mean, it was just this thing of, I don't, what are you talking about? And then obviously you were Googling, trying to look up the stuff. Like, I am not believing what I'm hearing. And then it was so cute for you to be like, you just said exactly. I was reading this article. You just said it. But yeah, I want you to go back and watch your own reacting. Well, we, we, we try to be as credible as we can. And not that, of course, you don't trust Susan or you or anyone else, but I always like to have a second source of evidence saying, no, look, there's also an article. Yeah. (laughs) It was shocking. I'm reading the article too. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is, you know, I I hear a lot of stuff daily. I cover a lot of stuff daily. This one was like, whoa, this, is this is something intense and yeah you know, the court yeah. documents are a good read well, i'll yeah. tell you why if you want to get a, a little view into the kind yeah. of uh manipulation and intensity yeah. well, that occurs quite often there all right well i'll maybe i'll try and do that if i have some some spare time but for real you know susan and nancy thank you for your time i really appreciate it of course keep in touch and we'll talk again soon that's all right thanks so much thank you for having me